Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I would like to introduce to you Rosemary Altea. She is an amazing medium healer. I feel so fortunate that Rosemary came across my path by by a good friend of mine. And the more I I learn about her, I listen to her story time and and all of that, I'm just so inspired and I'm so excited to have her on the show today. So as a child growing up in Leicester, England, Rosemary heard voices and saw other worldly faces making her life extremely difficult. She became an outcast from her five siblings and parents who didn't understand her. It was only in her early 30s that she finally embraced her psychic abilities and with her spirit guide, Gray Eagle, learned to hone and perfect her talents. It wasn't long before Rosemary gained notoriety, traveling the globe to spread the word about life after death. People were inspired, intrigued, and amazed, and before long, she became a New York Times bestseller author. Her first book, The Eagle and the Rose, shot her to fame and garnered appearances on shows like Oprah, Larry King, and 2020. She's written other books since then, and your most recent book, Rosemary, what what is your most recent book called? Well, first of all, let me say hello, Marlon. Thank oh, you. So okay. much. I wasn't done yet, though. Thank you so, so much for inviting me onto your show. You know, I, I, there's nothing I like better than to talk about what I do. So, uh, yeah. my the the latest book is A Walk in the Clouds, yes. uh, and um, I think it says something like True Stories by Rosemary Altea. All of my books are true stories, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, th- Thank you for, you know, thank you for that fabulous introduction. What can I say? I, 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 as you introduced me, my head is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> as, it, as it should. And oh, no. I do have to mention, one reason I love Rosemary already is that one of her priorities is working with children, both here on earth and the spirit world. Rosemary loves nothing more than to bring families together to give them comfort, healing, hope, and joy. And when she's not working, she can be found in the kitchen cooking, just like me. <laughs> oh, you didn't tell me you were a cook, Marla. Well, I, I am. I love cooking. So, Rosemary, tell us a little bit, just briefly, about your childhood and how your story began. Well, if I can just first say to you, you said one of my priorities is children, and I have to say, I think that my main priority is children, both here on this earth of ours and in the spirit world. When I was a child, uh, wow, it was a little bit rough. Uh, My mother was very extremely impatient, but I think the 
the, the hardest thing for me was that um, my grandmother, who I never met, she died when I was six weeks old, was a voluntary patient in a psychiatric hospital in the city of Leicester where I was born. And my mother, on very regular occasions, at least every two or three times a month, would actually look at me, poke me in the back or slap me across the head or whatever other little thing she would do. She would poke me and she would say, if you're not careful, you're going to end up like your grandmother in the towers. And the towers was the local psychiatric hospital. Anyone, actually, anyone can actually uh, go and Google that. You can see it. It's a scary looking building. And strangely enough, when I was 15 years old, I went with my school uh, to the Towers. We actually, um, I was a member of the drama group, I know, uh, uh, at my school. And we went to put on a play for the patients in the Towers. And there lie whole other stories that I could tell you. But I know that we're focusing today, I would like to focus today on children and the work that I do with, with children. But... It was a, an extremely difficult childhood, and um, as I, a, a lot of people find this very strange when I say this, but I am so grateful to my parents. They were not particularly good parents. They were certainly, my mother was certainly not a nice person. She was mean and bitter, and uh, she could be quite brutal, uh, and they were quite brutal in their discipline uh, as well. But I am so grateful to them because through them, uh, I learned how not to be. My parents taught me how not to be. And I think it's a really good lesson for all of us. If we can, you know, sort of go through the traumas and the trials that we all of us go through in life uh, to understand that, you know, these are their gifts, really. Perhaps they're gifts that we don't necessarily want at the time, but they are gifts to teach us sensitivity. They teach us how to be more empathetic, uh, how to be more sympathetic. I think when you've experienced hurt and pain yourself, you can recognize it in others much more easily and be more empathetic to those people. Absolutely. And now why, I don't think you mentioned why your mom would poke you and say, be careful because you were seeing spirits, right? Well, she wasn't saying be careful. She was basically threatening me, you know, if you don't, because, you know, as a child, I saw faces, I heard voices. Uh, I mean, the whole thing was, I lived in two worlds. I lived in a world that was completely confusing where I would see now, I, you, you might call them spirits or ghosts of people in the spirit world. As a child, I didn't know what they were. They were just these beings that were very, very scary. But I also lived in my other scary world, which was the, the world of being uh, a, a sister, um, a daughter, having parents who didn't understand me, having uh, my three sisters, my mother encouraged them to uh, despise me, to be mean to me. Um, not, not so much anymore. We sorted that out as we got older, but, um, you know, my mother, I think the bottom line was that my mother was scared because she saw in me the same traits that she'd seen in her own mother. So the threat, if you don't stop seeing this, or if you don't stop crying out in the night, or if you don't stop being strange, or if you don't stop going off into this weird world that you go into, uh, if you don't stop that, you'll end up in the towers like your grandma. And I think that was my, that was what my mother was saying to me. Yeah. It's amazing that you didn't, I mean, some would grow up bitter and angry at the world and, and you definitely have taken it the other way. So 
then how did your spiritual life evolve after having that sort of childhood? Well, you know, obviously, uh, I was very, I mean, I still saw people and I would, for instance, you know, when I was older and I lived in my own house, I'd be sitting on a sofa and I'd look up and I'd see somebody sitting on the other sofa. And instead of sort of running, like most people would scream and run, you know, right, <laughs> oh, right. you, you would think, oh my gosh, this is a ghost. I would, I don't, don't ask me why, but because I'm a very strange person, but I would look, I would, you know, be reading, I'd look up and there'd be someone on the sofa and I'd say, oh, hi, who are you? Uh, my natural curiosity would want, I would want to know who they were, what, what were you doing here? And I'd always, from, from the time I can remember, had an innate uh, knowing uh, that that there was a God. Nobody had to tell me. We certainly didn't talk about it in my house, but uh, I knew that there was some something, some power, some energy that was good and bright and light, and that was an innate knowing within me. So, even though it was very scary, uh, it, I was curious. My curiosity used to sort of to overtake the the scary part. Right. So when you see spirit. Do you actually see them physically? Yes. Well, I never call them spirits, first of all. Okay. You know, people say, do you believe in ghosts? Absolutely, I do not believe in ghosts. I believe in people who have passed, yes. uh, but they are in the spirit world, or some people might say they're in heaven or with God or in the light or whatever, or, you know, nirvana, whatever. It doesn't matter what you call it, but I do believe that we continue on past this life of ours and we go forward and we we uh you know we sort of arrive at that place uh where our spirit where we can spiritually grow and learn and continue on with our lives i don't believe life stops at death i believe it's just another phase of life mm -hmm. absolutely i i do too and can you tell us, um, before we jump in talking about your wonderful grandson, Reese, <laughs> and how he's kind of taken after you, um, could you tell us just a couple of amazing or stories that were kind of profound to you that when you were doing a mediumship reading? How much time do we have? I mean, I try to, you know, you sent me this list of questions. I'm thinking, how much time have we got here and what can I choose? But I think one of one that I remember, I was in Toronto, Canada, and I'd just been doing a, an, a, an evening with Rosemary. There were about two or 3,000 people at this event. And we'd had a great time. Uh, it was a three or four hour show. And um, afterwards, there were so many people outside, you know, the stage door wanting to, to ask questions, wow. some, some just wanting to touch me or to be with me. And um, out of the corner of my eye, I noticed these, uh, these sisters, I think there were three or four sisters who were so desperate to talk to me. Their mother was dying of, of uh, I think it was lung cancer. And um, uh, she was, she'd been always, all her life, she'd been a big fan of mine. So they'd come for their mother to say, do you have a message? Uh, do you have a message? Is it possible you could say something to our mother so that she can die peacefully? And so I, uh, I said, well, where, where do you live? And they lived about 20 minutes out of the, where we were. And I said, do you have a car? And they said, yes. I said, let's go then. 
And they looked at me like I was a crazy person. <laughs> and I said, if your mother's sick and she's been a fan of mine and you tell me she's dying, let's go see her. Wow. And so I went with my crew. I had two or three friends with me. I went with them and the sisters took us there. And uh, I, I went into this tiny little apartment. Uh, this little lady was laid on the couch. She was buried in cushions and uh, blankets and things and uh, when she saw me she was able to just sit up she just had a big smile on her face and I just went and sat down with her and held her in my arms and uh, uh, and we just sat and talked for we were there for about an hour or so and um, <laughs> it was so funny because it started off with just her and the sisters and then more and more people got to hear the word <laughs> Rosemary Altea's here, and and you could then this little tiny apartment was by the time we left was crammed with people, absolutely crammed with people. Wow. Um, you know, the, and I I'm the fortunate one here because I get that opportunity. And another time I was in New Zealand and I was at a, a, a church in New Zealand. They the hot place was packed, and um, unfortunately in these as you do these things they close the doors at a certain time because when if a medium is working and connecting with the spirit world they feel that she shouldn't be interrupted i came out of that we had a great time came out of that and uh, i was signing books and talking to different people and i noticed in the far corner of this the huge uh, lobby that we were in i noticed there was this whole group of people and uh, I said to my somebody with me, who, who, who are they? What are they doing there? And it was a, a group of Maoris who had traveled for three days on a bus. Yes, they traveled three days on a bus, on a rickety old bus to come and see me. And they arrived about 20 minutes too late to get in. So I, I went over to them and I spent a good hour or so with them. And then the other people who were there at this, who had helped organize this lecture that I was giving, uh, they were, they belong to a church. And the next thing we know, people are finding homes for them to come and stay in. And uh, they did a church service a couple of days later, and I was invited to go to the service. And these beautiful people had devised or created this dance, which they danced for me in the, in the, in the church. Uh, I mean, it, you know, I'm so I am so so very blessed to be able to reach people of all walks of life. But I can keep going. But I know we don't have time, do we? I, That's I, I can, okay. If we can keep going as long as we want, and just to to go back on two things. So once again, um, people that are in the spiritual world, do you see them physically? I do. Wow. I do. Don't believe anybody who tells you they don't have bodies because they do. Yeah. Uh, um, we take with us, when we go to the spirit world, we take with us what is known as the etheric or the mm -hmm. spirit body. It is the same shape and same size as we are physically. Um, and that is the, that, that's the vessel that we use um, uh, as we are lifted out of our bodies, as it's time to go. We are lifted out of our bodies usually by our angels and we are carried uh we have our loved ones who are already there waiting for us when we get there uh, i've actually experienced that too being in the waiting room uh waiting for people to arrive who have died um 
I could go on and on about this. I must, must, I must concentrate on what you're asking me. Uh, so uh, I once was uh, watching TV and there was a medium on it. I didn't know, but I remember him saying, uh, look, do you know, people in the spirit world don't have any legs. And I was like, they don't? <laughs> really? <laughs> That's very weird. And then I heard something very recently, somebody another medium told somebody who actually then called me and said, is this true that children don't have uh, bodies and uh, fiddlesticks? So, you know, we know, don't we, Marla, there's a lot of nonsense talked about this subject. But, uh, but no, I see them clearly. Uh, sometimes I don't see them as clearly as I would like to. Sometimes the connection is not so good. But usually I see them, I hear them, I sense them, I feel them. Uh, when they touch me, their touch is very solid. So, uh, you know, so um, uh, I don't, I've, I've no idea why that is, but I love the fact that I'm able to do this. This has to be, I mean, I think when God took one look at me and said, she's it, uh, I, won, I won first prize. <laughs> I, I definitely did. And it's hard work and it's painful work and it's, it's a, uh, you know, extremely tough sometimes, especially when you're helping a family to deal with death or when you're helping people to, to, to die, you know, because I have patients who are in fact dying and I'm there usually in, with them in that process. It's not an easy job at all, but it's the best ever. Right. So back to the, the four sisters or however many there were, and my, what, my sisters or the, no, no, the sisters that you went over to the woman. Sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 So what, what did you um, learn from the mother to give them comfort? Because I know they wanted you to, I, I could the mom not communicate or? Oh yes, she, she could communicate, but she had difficulty. She was on an, oh, she had an oxygen tank. Right. But right. Uh, while I was there, I think my energy bolstered her and she was able to talk so much better. She didn't want to use the the air in the in the machine uh and uh she sat we just sat cuddling on the sofa but i think um it wasn't about the girls were not wanting me to go for them they were wanting me to go for their mother right. but listening to to my talking to the mother talking about what was the going to be the next stage talking how important it it was for the family and i explained because as i say the whole place began to fill mm -hmm. and I was explaining to the family how important it is, which I do feel very strongly. Don't pretend that this isn't happening. Yeah. You know, somebody's dying. Nobody wants to tell them they're dying and that person knows that they're dying, but doesn't want to upset. So no, nothing really gets said. So my feeling is you need to communicate with each other, honestly, hold each other's hands, uh, reminisce about the past because that's always a fun thing to do and um, you know just communicate with each other so I think that the sisters learned that it was it was okay right. mom knows she's dying apparently we didn't know that but she knows she's dying we've kept it a secret from her she's kept it a secret from us but now it's out in the open so there was a real communication and a closeness born of that communication Absolutely. so the family were able to talk about their fears we don't want you to go mom this sort of thing and her, she was able to say i don't want to leave you but uh, i know it's going to be okay and so there was this 
incredible healing that took place for the mother and for all of the family. There was this beautiful, you know, I, I was talking to the mother and it's, it's very hard for me to explain this to people, but as you're talking and you feel the angels gathering around and you feel uh, the, 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 the family who have already gone to the spirit world, you feel them drawing closer. There sort of becomes this, this sense of peace, an overwhelming peace and a calmness that, that just permeates the whole room and literally comes over everybody. And there's this peace and tranquility and, and acceptance happens through that. Yes. And it's wonderful for me to be a part of that and to see how people who have been so stressed and so worried and so concerned suddenly realize it's happening. We can't do anything about it, but we can embrace it and we can accept it and we can be joyful for what is happening because feelings. and oh yes just to sit and talk about it openly yeah what sometimes it's like what what is going on with us <laughs> i know details around these sorts of things wow what a gift you you gave them so so let's segue into children and yes. i know um you have a very special connection with your <laughs> your daughter first of all and yes. your grandson son reese and tell us a little bit about how you became so passionate about working with children and a little bit about reese i've always been fond of children even as a little girl i was fond of other kids uh and so it sort of segued into that. And when I had my own daughter as a single mother, um, watching her having weird experiences, uh, because she would see and hear also, uh, and she was very connected uh, to her grandfather, my father, her silly grandpa, she called him. Um, uh, he he died when she was six, six years old and, um, uh, she could see him, hear him, communicate with him. And um, uh, so there was that. So I knew how important it was with my child to bring her up believing, understanding that this is natural. This is something that is natural. So when she had my darling boy, my grandson, Reese, uh, she, um, every time with Halloween, with this, that, and the other, even from him being little, if he had questions, uh, let's go and ask Mosey. He calls me Mosey. Let's go and ask Mosey. So he's grown up with th this, knowing this and understanding. And any questions he has, we answer. We don't try to push it on him. It's important that people should never push this subject onto their children, but to wait. And when they ask questions, and they will ask the question, when they ask questions, you answer in the right way, in the proper way. And it's only uh, last year, my daughter lost her, her puppy, Piper. And, uh, Reese wanted to know if Piper was around and he, because he, he knows I see these things. Mosey, can you see him sometimes? And I said, I, I said, can you see her sometimes? I said, yes. He said, well, how can I see her? So, well, perfect. The door opens, right? Absolutely. Perfect opportunity. So I taught him, close your eyes. And I gave him a little bit of, and he was, he was six years old at the time. Uh, I gave him this little, um, example of breathing, closing your eyes, uh, sort of 
visualizing. I use visualization a lot in my healings. And so he was doing that. Uh, and so now he knows how to give healing. If I, if he, he said to me the other day, I, I put my back out. He just nat very naturally and ordinarily said, Mosey, I'm sending you healing. I said, oh, thank you, darling, because I really need it. It's natural to him. It's yeah. ordinary to him. And I wish that more parents would uh, help their children to understand how natural and easy it can be for kids. And just to wait for them to ask the questions, but don't push it. And Reese also, very much like my daughter used to be, but perhaps more so, he, he'll, um, we were driving to the airport and we were late and there was traffic jams and accidents and so on. And, and he was sort of in the back seat, he was sound asleep and he woke up and he could see we're on the phone trying to get another flight for my daughter to get back to New York. And he just said, uh, Mosey, don't worry. Um, we will miss the plane we're on but there'll be another one we'll get on. And uh, okay then, and as soon as he said it, I knew that it was, the, I knew it was right. And sure enough, they got on the next plane, which was 10 minutes later, we, they just made it. But he's like, so don't worry, Mosey, uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get the next plane. Yeah, yeah. And he says things like that all the time. So he's, and he's shown that he's obviously has that gift how he'll do with it, what he will do with it right. is a whole other matter and we shan't push him. But certainly when he asks, I'm going to talk to him about it, absolutely. I um, actually just finished writing my first children's book. I'm working with oh, the editor now and it's exactly what you're talking about, about setting the stage um, of teaching children when they ask, and it's not even really teaching because they already know all of this stuff, right? They <laughs> know more than we do. Do you know right. that, Marla? They know more than we do. I, yeah. I know. I say it's a children's book, but it's secretly for the adults because uh, <laughs> yes. children already know it. I think this is a great time to end this part of the interview and Rosemary will be back next week to continue. So I hope to see you all then. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you.